Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Well, welcome back to the Equip You and Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And on today's episode, we're going to continue talking about what we have been talking about previously. When we talked about, we did a whole series on anger and various emotions. And we're going to come back to this again and again because it's something that we need to learn in our Christian life to address. And one of the topics over the, especially probably the last five years where there's been a lot of learning for me, to be honest, is in the area of lament. And so today we're going to talk about lament. You know, the Lord was so kind to give us the book of Psalms, wasn't he? These prayers and songs, they give us words when we are fatigued, when we're confused, when we're numb. But if we're honest, some of the Psalms flow more easily than others from our mouths. It isn't hard to pray Psalm 27 verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? And yet we hesitate to pray, Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble, as we see in Psalm 10.1? Now, a lament is a prayer. It expresses sorrow, pain, or confusion. Lament should be the chief way Christians process grief in the presence of God. Because many Christians have grown up in churches which is which always look on the brighter side, lament can be jarring when we learn about it. And for believers whose lives are relatively free from tragedy, lament may seem unnecessary. It sounds like I might be being a downer. But the truth is, we live in a post-fall world. We see sadness. We see sickness. We see agony every day. On the news, we hear about war and foreign lands, stories of poverty and neglect. Sin is close to our home and close to our hearts. Our children die in the womb. Our brothers suffer with cancer. Our neighbors lose their house in a fire. Our friends turn away from church. Our words cause deep wounds in our coworkers. And so what is a Christian to do with this sorrow? We must take it to the Lord. Almost a third of the Psalms in the entire book of Lamentations are concerned with lament. Lament is not a God-approved vehicle for grumbling. We bring our complaints, but we leave with great hope. Like all types of prayer, God uses lament to form his people into his image and likeness. And so here are some ways in which we can lament. We can recognize God's wisdom and our finiteness. Sorrow is disorienting. No one emerges from a season of grief feeling capable and wise. Looking to God in our pain reminds us of our limits and of God's expansive power and knowledge. We learn to trust the Lord in, in seasons of grief and hardship. Lament is a direct expression of trust in God. But the more that we trust God in the midst of our sadness, the more likely we are to trust him with everything. We understand more of God's grace and love in lament. In our darkest nights, we cry out to the Lord and bring nothing to him but our needs. And as God meets, as God helps us, we see that his faithfulness is not based on our behavior or our love for him. He is gracious. He is loving. And we 
uh, should we ever doubt, we have the cross of Jesus Christ as a reminder for our hearts. In lament, we become better neighbors. When we bring our grief to the Lord, we become more aware of the grief of others. We are more likely to listen to our neighbors with kindness and love when they experience the sinfulness of our world. We walk in Jesus' steps as we lament. The lament of Jesus in the Gospels provides additional scriptural warrant for lament. In his ministry, and especially in his suffering, uh, Jesus had great reason for grief, and he brought that sorrow to his Father. Among other places, we can look at Matthew 23, 37-39, Luke 19, 41-44, Mark 14, 32-42, Matthew 27, 46, which quotes Psalm 22, 1 in Hebrews 5, 7. We follow Jesus as we lament. And so the best way to get familiar with lament is to read the laments in the Bible and begin to pray them yourself. And there are four ingredients that show up in most biblical laments, though not every lament, to be clear, has all these elements. And the first one is keep turning to the Lord. Our natural instinct to grief may be to deny it, to ignore it, or even seek to numb it. But a, but a Christian should be committed to repeatedly turning to the Lord in both joy and sorrow. Psalm 4.1 says, Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. Bring your complaints. Complaints form the heart of lament. They are the reason we are sad before the Lord, but reading them in Scripture can make us squirm. It can make us ask the question, am I really allowed to talk to God this way? In fact, it might even seem disrespectful to us. But we need to remember as Christians in Christ, we are not only allowed to talk to God in this way, this is what the Lord wants for us. To be sure, there are ungodly ways to complain to the Lord. And one of the marks of the difference between lamenting, that is godly complaint, and grumbling, which is ungodly complaint, is whether or not we're dwelling on what we deserve. Godly complaint identifies conditions or events in the world or in our lives and brings them to the Lord saying, Lord, look at what we are experiencing. This sharp, acute Cry is all over the Psalms and all over the Lamentations. For example, in Psalm 94, 3, which says, O Lord, how long shall the wicked, how long shall the wicked exult? Ask boldly, after we have brought our complaints to the Lord, we ask him to act. Our bold requests are anchored in the character of God. We beg him to intervene because he's just, because he's loving, because he's faithful, because he keeps his promises. Healthy lament always moves to intercession instead of getting stuck on the complaint. And because of Jesus, we have confidence that we can pray boldly before his throne as we see in Hebrews 4.16. And in Psalm 17.13-14, we see, Arise, O Lord, confront him, subdue him, deliver my soul from the wicked by your sword, from men by your hand, O Lord, from men of the world, whose portion is in this life. Choose to trust. The destination of lament is a heart that clings to the Lord of steadfast love. After we complain and after we ask God to intervene, we turn to hope. If we know the promises of God and if he always keeps his promises, we can trust the Lord. Psalm 31, 14 says, But I trust in you, O Lord. I say you are my God. And so here's some very 
practical steps for every Christian to grow and lament. First, read the Psalms of Lament. It's not too hard to find lament psalms in the book of Psalms. Reading several of these psalms and letting a few of them uh, really marinate in them, meditate on them, memorize them. Here are 12 psalms of lament to get you started. Psalm 3, Psalm 10, Psalm 13, Psalm 17, Psalm 31, Psalm 42, Psalm 43, Psalm 60, Psalm 79, Psalm 80, Psalm uh, 94, and Psalm 102. Read Lamentations. This is a very neglected book of the Bible, and yet it's full of lament. Read it several times slowly to reap the benefits. We learn some of the things in Lamentations that we may not learn if we only read the Psalms, namely that lament should often be corporate, not just individual, and that we can and even should lament even when we are responsible for the pain and the sorrow we experience. Write out your own laments. This will be a great activity for a small gathering of Christians. Take the four ingredients of lament along with some personal or group occasion of sorrow and write out some honest prayers to the Lord. You may even use some of the lament psalms as prompts, or you may end up making those words up on your own as long as they're grounded in Scripture. You're not just expressing yourself however you want. Lament, remember, is a way of expressing your hurt and your pain to the Lord. And as we lament, we must remember Jesus. He is not only a model of lament, he is the center of all of our lamenting. Our greatest hope in every lament is that one day lament will be no more. There, there's no exaggeration. Here in the New Jerusalem, we read in Revelation 21.4 that the Lord will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And what Jesus secured for his people through his life, death, and resurrection and ascension is a complete reversal of the Genesis 3 curse. And as that curse vanishes and as God's people gather around the throne to worship the victorious son, our need of lament will fade away in that day. And yet even now, godly lament produces the fruit of hope in a future in which lament will have no place. And so Christian, gather your sorrows, bring them to your father and pour out your heart and lament. He knows, he cares, he sees you. He is eager for you to trust him in your sadness. Now, there is a a clear intention, as we just mentioned. Uh, There's a whole book about lament, and that's Lamentations. Lament is a form of praise and prayer with the intent of drawing us close to God in times of suffering and pain. It ultimately is a wonderful gift to the children of God because it presupposes a relation with God and even depends on it. Only those who can approach God in a covenantal relationship are able to lament because lament is pleading with God to act in accordance with his character and his promises to us. And the mere fact that we are able to approach God in lament is a sign of intimacy and hope. On page 28 of Dark Cloud's Deep Mercy, uh, Mark defines lament as a prayer of pain and that leads to trust. Lament is the wailing of the heart before a God who hears, who listens, and who responds to our prayers. There are around 65 psalms. That is nearly half of the psalms that are psalms of lament. 
Psalm 3, 13, 22, 42, 44, and 60 are just a few of these psalms. And this should tell us something. Lament is an important part of the human experience. Just as much as the Christian ought to come before God with songs of thanksgiving and praise, we ought to come before God with lament. And in, in the scripture, a psalm of lament typically contains these elements in form. The author directs the complaint to God. We see this in Psalm 3 when it says, O Lord, how many are my foes? Well, the author also describes their suffering. In Psalm 42, we see, My tears have been my food day and night. The author depends on God to come to the aid of his people, as we see in Psalm 44. Awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. The author dwells on God's faithfulness and goodness, Psalm 13. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. Now, lament is not simply complaining. It's not just spewing trite theological answers. Lament is both expressing our true anguish and pain to our sovereign king and finding hope and comfort in the truth of his faithful character and promises. We've all encountered a time in our lives after sharing our grief and pain. A friend chose not to enter into our grief and pain and weep with us, but rather respond with the cold hard truth that lacked the tenderness of sympathy. That's not lament. Lament is seeing that God enters our pain, is incarnate with us in our trials, and meets us with his unchanging nature. Lament helps us acknowledge our suffering, to not pretend or deny our plight, but then cast our eyes beyond our pain to our eternal hope and reward. In fact, the Apostle Paul reminds the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 4.17 that this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And so the goal of lament is the same as Paul's goal in sharing this with the Corinthians. Encouragement through an eternal perspective. And once we are led by our shepherd through the dark valley of doubt, fear, and anguish, we might lift our eyes to Christ and his eternal purposes and find hope. What a glorious gift the Lord has given his people in lament. And so how should we engage in lament? Well, first, Christian, direct your conversation to God. Lament is not directed towards our enemies, towards our suffering, or towards our pain. We direct our conversation to God, who is the one who hears us. It is an acknowledgement of God's sovereignty over all things, that he brings about the circumstances in our lives, and he is the one in control. Remember, lament is a gift for God's children. It is part of the blessing of a relationship with God. Psalm 12, 1 says, Save, O Lord. Psalm 10, 1. Why, O Lord? Psalm 28, verse 1. To you, O Lord, I call. And so first, speak to the Lord. Make sure your lament is directed at the Lord. Call on the Lord by name. Lord, Father, my God, my help, my defender, you can approach the throne boldly and appeal to your Heavenly Father through Christ. And so take advantage of that. For example, you might say, Lord, my God, I call to you. You are the maker of heaven and earth. You are the creator of all things. You are my rock and my shelter. You are my shepherd king. Second, describe your suffering and pain to the Lord. The Lord knows your most innermost thoughts, as Psalm uh, 94, 11 says, but making it a point to tell him what you're feeling. How angry are you about the pain you're experiencing? How frustrated are you that it seems like the Lord is silent? How deeply are you questioning his presence? Tell the Lord. 
In Psalm 10.1, it says, Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalm 13.1, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Psalm 42.3 says, My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? The, the psalmist never once admits words. Rather, they expose the feelings and the anguish of their hearts before the one who knew already what they felt. They practiced humble vulnerability. You might say, Lord, I'm exhausted. I'm discouraged by this pain. I feel so alone, so abandoned, so forgotten. It feels like everyone has forgotten me and, and that all of my friendships have failed me. Uh, Father, I hate this betrayal, and I hate the despair that I feel. Lord, where are you? Why have you abandoned me? I thought you would never leave me, but it feels like you have. Third, depend on Christ for your help and your hope. This is where useless complaining turns into biblical lament. We don't simply pour out our sorrows and our pain before God and end there. Rather, we then turn to the gospel of Christ to find help and hope in our suffering. We turn a corner. And we begin to preach the gospel of peace and hope to ourselves. And we turn to Jesus and ask him for comfort, for his perspective, from his word. And we ask for him to act. In Psalm 10, 12, it says, Arise, O Lord, our God, lift up your hand, forget not the afflicted. Psalm 28, 12, Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cry to you for help. Psalm 42, 5, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. As Christians, we can know that Christ has won the battle, that he has secured the final victory, and that our eternal hope is secure because of Christ alone. It is our eternal purpose. It is our eternal hope and reward in Christ that in our suffering amid trials and suffering, this is it. This is why we have hope. And once we've unleashed the torrent of pain and the anguish that we feel, and now that we turn to Christ and remind ourselves of the great hope that is ours in him, the Christian lament calls on Christ and the Holy Spirit for strength, for perspective, for faith, for hope, for, and for endurance in our suffering. You might say, God, I know that Christ is my reward in this life and in the next. And so the Holy Spirit, give me the courage to speak the truth and to stand for what is right. Jesus, I believe that you have a purpose for all things. And so give me strength in this time to live in righteous. Lord, I trust that you will right every wrong one day. So help me look to you for justice and not take it in my own hands. Fourth, dwell on God's faithfulness and his character. The blessings of covenantal relationship is with God that we have assurance that he never changes. He never grows weary of keeping his promise and that he is always faithful to the end. There is never a point in history that the Lord is not sovereign and that the Lord is not faithful to accomplish his purpose. And when lament is done right, it almost always ends with us dwelling on the faithful, steadfast love of our God. And his character is the balm that calms our pain after we have genuinely confessed it to the Lord. Our hope is secure because the Lord is uh, faithful. He is unchanging. He remains steadfast. Uh, he will never change. Psalm 10, 17 says, O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. Psalm 28, 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield, and him my heart trusts and I am helped. 
Psalm 42, 8 says, By day the Lord commands a steadfast love, and at night his song is within me. And so the goal of lament is not only to express our pain, but to correct our thinking and renew our faith. And as we walk through the process of lament, we may not find our issues vanish, nor our physical pain release, but we are renewed in our hope and trust in God and his purposes. As Romans 5, 2 through 5 says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith in the, into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. And so you might not yet even be convinced of your need to lament. Perhaps, after all, you wonder, why should I lament? What's the point here? Here's a final thought about lament, and the great example of it is none other than our Savior King, Jesus Christ. Did you know that Jesus often partook in the practice of lament? In Matthew 23, 37-38, Jesus laments over Jerusalem and the Jews' rejection of his preaching and his ministry. In fact, in Matthew 27, 46, as Jesus bears the weight of the, the sin and the shame of mankind, he quotes Psalm 22 as he cries out to his father. But we need to be reminded of one time in particular where Jesus demonstrated lament most vividly, and that is in the death of Lazarus. In John 11, verses 11 through 15, Jesus hears of Lazarus' illness and tells his disciples that he intends to raise Lazarus from the dead. Now, Jesus knows that Lazarus is dead. He knows that he intends to raise him from the dead in front of everyone. But there's something important happening here. At Lazarus' tomb, amid the mourners and the tears of the crowd, Jesus weeps. In a powerful sign of sympathy, of sorrow over sin and death, and of grief for the pain it has caused his friends, Jesus enters into the suffering and the sorrow and takes a moment to lament. In a mere moment, Jesus will raise Lazarus as a powerful proclamation of the eternal hope of the gospel. But before hope comes, he laments before his father. You know, perhaps in the last couple years, you know, we have seen the death of many people with COVID and, and we're even seeing that not just because of COVID or other related things, but we're seeing that with cancer and memory issues. And you know what? Life hurts. And what lament helps us to do is to have a category to deal with real pain and real hurts. You know, when I, I will never forget the first few years when I discovered the diagnosis and of my dad who has frontal temporal dementia and it absolutely devastated me uh i had just written not too long ago before this in 2012 i had written a, a long about 20 25 page paper in which i had spent a number of months really studying uh the book of job and also i had read about 20 to 25 books on the problem of evil and suffering and so I, I had a category for suffering and, and the really hard things. And I know that the Lord used that, but also in the midst, by, in, in his providence, I was also studying the book of Hebrews. And the book of Hebrews is so amazing because what Hebrews does is it shows the sufficiency of Christ over all things. It shows the promises of God. It, it's, it shows us so much about 
uh, the intercessory ministry of Christ, the, the mediatorial ministry of Christ, uh, the high priestly ministry of Christ, and so much more. But the, the book of Hebrews really ministered, uh, the Holy Spirit really used the book of Hebrews to minister to my heart during this season. And as we fast forward even to COVID, uh, I was reminded again and again of the sufficiency of Christ as we were living in California and I was ministering to my dad over the phone every day as he lived at the time in an assisted living facility. And I would, after work, after writing, after recording, after doing all the things that I have done that day to minister to real people and hurting people and all those things, I was ministering to my dad. Uh, oftentimes that would take about two hours after I'd already worked about eight hours. And so I was spending working about 10 hours a day. Sometimes it was more than that. And, and that was hard. It was heartbreaking that, that here was my dad living in Seattle and he was experiencing real hurt and real pain. He was stuck in the midst of COVID in his room day in and day out. And they wouldn't let him out because they weren't letting anybody walk out and walk around. And this is something that my dad did because of his dementia. If you know anything about dementia, people that have dementia love to walk around. But also um, in about October of 2021, uh, my dear mentor and uh, my my adopted big brother, that's what we, that's what I called him. He called me his adopted little brother. He died of COVID. He got it pretty quickly on a, on a Sunday, and within about a, about a week or, or, or ten days, he went to be with the Lord, and that was that was really hard for me. It took a, it took a if anybody remembers that period of time, it was a really difficult time for me. Um, I I realized very quickly that you know what, um, even with going through seminary, even with counseling hurting people and struggling people that are really struggling. Um, I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the skill. I didn't have the experience to deal with something like that, that hurts so much, but by God's grace, you know, um, and I realized very quickly, uh, that I needed to go see a biblical counselor and also in God's kind providence, I'd already developed a friendship with a number of biblical counselors. And, and I sat down with my wife and I said, you know what, sweetheart? Uh, this was about a month. I said, you know what? I'm really, really struggling with this. I, I, I think I need to go talk to a biblical counselor. Um, I just knew that I'm, I'm sitting there at my desk crying and weeping, uh, often uncontrollably. And I would just often have to stop, um, before that, I had gotten COVID, and so I, I was still even experiencing at that time in October of 2021. It took a it took a little bit for me to get over fully over COVID, although I got over the symptoms, but I but I had some lingering brain fog, and it took about a year and a half for me to really get over. So so really, maybe even the beginning of this year or so, when I started to to come out of the the fog of this. Uh, deep grief and chronic loss. And one of the things that that brought me out was um, in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul says that one of the things that is the will of God for us is to be thankful, to be thankful. And so what I did was when before, when I would get up and when I would go to bed, 
I, I recount all the many ways in which the Lord has been faithful to me. Oh, I'm thankful that I have life and breath in my lungs. I'm thankful that it's a beautiful day. I'm thankful that I get to wake up next to my wife. I'm thankful that I have shelter. I'm thankful that I have food. I'm thankful that I have a, the ability to, to speak and to write, and I get to serve the Lord day in and day out. And, and the more that I kept doing this and rehearsing the, the ways in which God was being kind to me, the ways in which His goodness was being displayed in my life, it began to thaw my heart. Um, but also, I, I remembered all the th- many things about which I've been learned, not only uh, through the last five years, but also in seminary about lament. And in seminary, you, you, I took a class on Psalms. And so I, uh, I began to remember some of these lessons. And I began to, to take those home more and more into my heart. See, what these situations, these really hard situations, and you know what, I, I hope that none of my listeners or those who watch this show, I hope that, that none of you go through a season of deep hurt and deep pain. But if you do, know that the Lord is with you. Know that in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your hardship, in the midst of your challenges, the Lord is there. He hears, he cares, he's with you. And you know what? In the midst of those things, surround yourself, prepare, be investing in people's lives and getting into people's lives, be building friendships with people that are trustworthy. They're sound in doctrine and they're sound in theology so that they can encourage you and they can walk with you through these hard times. And I'll and I'll always remember my, my, dear, my dear friend, um, and his name is Joey Tomlinson. And he, and he walked with me uh, you know, through this, we had uh, monthly Zoom calls, and it was me pouring out my heart to the Lord. He asked lots of questions. There was things that the Lord wanted to do in my life uh, through losing uh, my dear mentor. He wanted me to rest. He wanted me to take time to feel, uh, to take a nap, and not to to work so hard all the time. Take time to enjoy life. And, and you know what? <laughs> I'm still working on that. The Lord is still at work in my life in that way. Some weeks are better. Some days are better than others. And uh, every day is new, a new day. But maybe for you today, what you need to do is you need to take your hurt, your pain. Maybe that's, a, maybe that's your, your, in your childhood you, your, or your teen years like me. You know, your, your parents got divorced. That's a thing that you can lament. That's a thing that you can take to the Lord. And and the Lord longs to hear from you. The Lord longs to take our heavy burdens and our cares. And he's the only one that can really carry us. And you might wonder, well, you know what? He's the only one who can carry us. Great. So trust him. Don't just too many, sadly, what we've seen in the last few years, especially, is, is many people have turned away from God because of the hardships of life. And what the hardships of life force us to do is they will either make us bitter and angry against God where we blame him and accuse him. That's ungodly complaint, by the way. That's grumbling against the Lord. Or we're going to turn to the Lord and realize that the trials of our life are revealing, revealing the condition of our hearts, the condition of our maturity before the Lord. And I can look back now and I can look and talk about the lessons 
the many, many lessons that my dear mentor taught me, and I'm so thankful for them. It doesn't mean that I don't miss him dearly, especially on challenging and difficult days. And I'm just like, man, I wish he was still alive so that I could call him and be like, what do you think about this? How do you, how do you handle this? But you know what I've also realized? There'll never be another replacement for the man that was my, one of my mentors. The, the Lord had him in my life for a unique season and a unique time in my life. And, and the people that come and go out of our lives, God even has that under his control, under his providence. And so we can be thankful. We can be thankful. And that's so important. Take the time today. This is what I want to say as we end. Take the time today to express thanks to the Lord. If you're married, for your spouse, take the time. If you have kids, take the time to be thankful to the Lord. For the children that you have, take the time. If your parents are still alive, take time to to be thankful to the Lord for your parents. And then take time to express thanks, specific thanks, specific ways in which you're thankful to the Lord. For for that for your spouse, if you have one, for your kid, to your kids if you have them, to your friends, and to, even to your pastors. Doing this is an encouragement and a blessing. But it also takes the focus off ourselves. Because the one thing I know, and I'm just going to say for me as I close, is I can get so focused on my situations, on my circumstances. What I forgot in the midst of my deep grief often was I forgot to look to Christ. I forgot to remind myself of the glories of Christ, of, of his greatness, of his beauty, of his power. And there were many times in which I had to confess to my wife, you know, I'm not reminding myself of the glories of Christ. I'm having a hard time. And she would just give me a hug. And she would remind me of the glories of Christ. What that means is sometimes in the midst of deep grief and sadness, you're going to need to remind your fellow brother and fellow sister of the glories of Christ. That's why we need one another. That's why we need to be in community with each other. I need you. You need me. We need to walk with each other. And that's what Galatians 6, 1 tells us to do, to bear each other's burdens and thus to fill the law of Christ. Well, I want to thank you for listening or watching this episode of the Equip You and Grace podcast. Until next week, may the Lord richly bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You and Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.